0: The McCartney Macalphabet: An A to Z Guide to the Solo Career of Sir Paul McCartney. Hello, you're listening to the McCartney Macalphabet. I'm David F. Grave,
1: and I'm Clary Sadler.
0: And you are you. We can't tell you who you are because that's who you are, and we can't see you. Um, <laughs> so we're here for an, our second episode. Clary, did you did you enjoy the first one?
1: I did. Yeah. I did. It, it sort of whizzed by, I can't remember a thing that I said, but no. I feel <laughs> like I feel like we covered the important A's. Yes. Not all the A's. We, no. we, we can come back around. For second we, we, we got there. <laughs> that brings us nicely onto the B's. I was going to go for some alliteration there, but I didn't know what to say after brings. Brings, brings us... us
0: back to B's before we do c- C's. No, doesn't work. Doesn't work. Yeah. We'll, do... we'll cut that. <laughs> A, B, C, D, B Also there's a bit of a a sort of controversial thing with this episode We're using the letter B But there's a very big B that is missing in this one Which is quite controversial
1: Yes, so disclaimer now Yes Don't send in death threats (laughs) We are not doing Band on the Run No On this round of Bs
0: But we will do it in the future (laughs) Likewise with Back to the Egg as well but, you know, yes. um, and also just generally don't send death threats. I mean, don't, not just because we're not doing Band on the Run. <laughs> I don't really like receiving them in the post, you know, it's all, no. or in any other form of communication. Just it's not really, <laughs> it's not really on. But yeah, quite controversial not doing Band on the Run. But I suppose you've got to give that its own space, haven't you, really? Because it's such a biggie.
1: I mean, what would you pick off it? I guess the song Band on the Run. Yeah. What about the rest of it, you know? Yeah. And then if we did the whole album in another episode, would we then ignore band on the run if we'd covered it today it's just too it. confusing I think. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah it is
0: exactly and and funny enough again with this one I mean there are, I know before we even start there are a number of things that I know I wanted to do and I think you wanted to do that aren't here either so it just shows you how much stuff there is really so I suppose you better get on with it really haven't we, we might yeah. <laughs> kick this thing off and we start with <laughs> speaking of alliter- alliteration big barn bed
1: big barn bed So I love this track, I'm just putting that out there to start with. Speedway, I know, yeah. not a favourite among you know amongst loads of Wings fans. It's kind of a middling album, from what I've read on, yeah. on various sort of sites. Whenever you see a, a Macca solo album or Wings albums ranking, it always seems to fall in the middle. But yeah. I really like the album as a whole. Yeah,
0: me too, definitely. And also, I think it's that thing. I think it's the point where Wings really find their sound because it's their second album, I think, isn't it? Because you've got Wildlife in front of it, which. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean that's a, that one scores even worse. I mean, really, yeah. yeah. Generally, people don't like so much, but I definitely think, and this being an opener song as well for the album, it really does establish the wings thing. I think.
1: Yeah, definitely, and I think I'm guessing we'll probably come to wildlife in a few letters time <laughs> towards the well, end of the Quite a alphabet. few letters, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's going to be a controversial statement to say that this album was definitely a massive improvement. (laughs) Yeah, quite a bit. (laughs) So, uh, well, of course, Red Rose Speedway was released in 73, but I think I read somewhere that this particular song had been like floating around since about 70, 71
0: yeah, well, because you've got that bit, haven't you, at the 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 Ramon reprise on on yes. where where it features right at the end, yeah, which is which either is like a really brilliant like preview, like coming soon, or just a coincidence they just put yeah. it at the end and then <laughs> thought, you know what,
1: I'll extend that. I liked that bit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I could make it. a whole album out of that one. Yeah, and no, I I like when he does that though. It's kind of mm. like a nod to things that have been or yeah. things that are to come, yeah, like yeah. in um jet on band on the run where they, on the album we're not supposed to be talking about today yeah. but um yeah where they sort of reprise band on the run at yes. the end of that you know I, I like when he does that it's like yeah i know that was a good song and i'm gonna chuck it on there
0: <laughs> well it's a bit like it's a bit like sergeant pepper isn't it as well with the reprise on that it's like yeah it's the little things and you know again mentioning the album we're not supposed to be talking about band on the run <laughs> which we might just find ourselves <laughs> talking about instead of the stuff we've written down but um, that like the Pepper Reprise and the thing with the Man on the Run Reprise. It's kind of what makes it have a sort of similar concept album feel, and hence the reason it's often sort of compared to it, isn't it? Because it's kind of like yeah. the the be- seen as the best of Wings, I suppose, and it's those yeah, little details I think, that bring it together. But enough of that album. Back to Big Barn Bed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so the Big Barn Bed. Another song that's got a writing credit from Linda and Paul. Yes, I like. The sort of silliness and the nonsense lyrics, and the fact that it doesn't really do much—it kind of just is that repet- you know, re- repetition throughout. Yeah, yeah. But I like it. I like kind of weird, fun lyrics: big bomb beds, armadillos, <laughs> weeping willows.
0: It's like a preview of the salamander that comes up in um, "Getting Closer," isn't it? It's, yes. I, I too. I think for me, this is the point, and like we're saying with it being the beginning of the wing sound, but the I think maybe. This is the thing that maybe separates a Wings fan from a Beatles fan because, like, um, I bet there are a lot of Beatles fans, like serious Beatles fans, who wouldn't have much time for this because it's a bit more throw- – it's like Paul at his most stone sort of throwaway. And I'm yeah. sure they'd like yeah. Little, Little Lamb, Dragonfly, or My Love maybe to a degree. But, yeah, I think this is the point where if if you like this stuff, that's probably why you're listening to this podcast. It's because you like yeah. – you don't mind – him just sort of jamming and just, you know, sticking with an idea and not necessarily thinking it through. Um, but yeah. It, it, in fact, I wrote down, I, it's a bit, like, sort. Of, it's a feel song. I wrote, it's a bit like Come On To Me or um, like yeah. uh, Dance Tonight or something. I even wrote down Baby You're a Rich Man where there's that sort of um, jammy feel. Um, mm-hmm. I don't mean jammy as in like, you know, smug. And <laughs>
1: <laughs> but
0: just, you know, sort of like, it's it's just a sort of groove, isn't it, really, I think.
1: I know, it's a groove and you can get lost in it. and yeah, you know, it's not I would I wouldn't sort of ever claim that it's the greatest thing he's ever done, but I no. as goofy messing around like you say just Paul having a jam, I like it, you know. And yeah. he was oh, 29 when he wrote it.
0: I know it's ridiculous. Isn't you know. It? God, <laughs> <laughs> so this is he's already done a solo album, a duet album with Linda, a Wings album, mm-hmm. and then this is another Wings album and he's still only 29. He's not hit 30 yeah. yet. <laughs> For God's sake, we need to pick up our lives and sort ourselves out. Cause, well, we or not say, compare ourselves to him,
1: really. Yeah, <laughs> I think we, we can get away with just calling him a bastard. Or all, all yeah. episodes, since we're on the bees anyway. Good point.
0: clever. Yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> like, I think um, you know, Red Rose Speedway was sort of in, intended originally as a double album, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, that that was something that only really came out recently. I hadn't realised, and I know, like, because the album sleeve is like a gatefold. I believe yeah. even that was like a sort of hangover from the fact it was going to have two records.
1: Yeah, I think I think I hadn't realized that until listening to the Take It Away podcast right. in which they mention it in quite a lot of detail on there. Yeah, yeah. Great podcast if you've not listened, although I'm yes. guessing if you are checking this out you've probably digested the whole series 3 times like myself.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: But um, yeah, apparently Big Bomb Bed was intended as the opening track when it was going to be a double album as well. So yeah. he obviously liked it, you know. I I think it sets up a, a nice fun tone.
0: I think it's a it's a really good opener. I think actually one thing he's really good at choosing is opening songs for albums. Because I think, I'd, in fact, I can't really think of an album that doesn't have a good opener. You know, if you think of mm. right away through to like London Town or you've got you know, um, coming up on McCartney 2 or, you know, he always picks a fine line on Chaos and Creation, you know. He always picks a good opener. And and this one is a great one. And also, like we say, because I think it sort of establishes, again, we said with um, Another Day how it sort of establishes the Paul and Linda sound. This really, right the way through from the first chorus, you've got that sort of Paul-Linda-Denny vocal block that is just, again, it's what makes me like Wings, really. I, I have lots of fond memories of, like... In my sort of, I suppose, teenagers, teenage years, listening to this. I mean, I, I didn't grow up in the seventies, but still, <laughs> you know, and and yeah, I'm really liking it. And obviously, yeah, it's not, it's not as sort of um, structured as, say, I don't know, well, a lot of the Beatles stuff, really. But um, but no, it's it's a great one. From what I gather, the sessions for Red Rose Speedway were quite. Um, difficult i believe i I forget who the producer was i don't know if you've got it down there but i believe wings were quite stoned throughout the sessions basically (laughs) and he was just trying to get them to work so but then at the same time if you've been in the beatles and you've been in that sort of really like you know the amount they fitted into seven years i think you're allowed to sort of kick back a bit i think and grow your mullet put your rose in your mouth
1: (laughs) exactly (laughs) Well, yeah why not
0: yeah (laughs) I always wonder how long is the stem on that rose that he's holding in his mouth? It's it's questionable.
1: So um, what do you think of the live version from the uh, James Paul McCartney um, special?
0: Yeah, well, it's good. Again, because it kicks that off, doesn't it? And it, mm. like the quite funny text on the screen, I forget what they, you know, what they do now, but it's again, quite sort of Beatles and thing, And they've got the sort of TV screens, haven't they, showing the audience? Yeah, yeah. It's good, yeah. its I'm, And also, I don't know if you, have you seen the Bruce McMouse film? Yes, yeah. Because I, I think that's in it, but again, I think it might be the only one that's sort of mimed in, the, in, in that particular thing, I uh, yeah. seem to recall. But... I would have loved to have heard a proper live version of it because the really surprising thing I found about the Bruce McMahon stuff is how good a live band they were, even mm. like in this first lineup. And I think the James Paul McCartney thing shows that as well. Maybe have you have you actually seen the "Gotta Sing, Gotta Dance" bit though? The bit with um, it's if you had you'd remember. Yeah, it's, no, no. It's where it's like the big showy number that he does. That's like a sort of Hollywood thing, and he's <laughs> got like one of those outfits where it's half, I think, like a tail sort of tops and tails and half something. And it's yeah. It's, again, another one of those things you wouldn't show people to, like, convert them to Macca. Well, watch this, you know. But, but no, in answer to your question, no, I, think, I think it's a really good opener for that, and it's a really good, yeah. it's just a good song, you know, or a good record,
1: and I, I think. And I quite like, I know it's not an exact um, replica of the melody, but in, oh, I've forgotten the name of the song now, Great Day. Yes. The melody is quite similar. I yes. I can't think what it goes like now.
0: When you're when you're wide awake. When
1: you're wide awake. awake, yeah, yeah. When you're wide awake, say it for goodness' sake! It's gonna be a great day. I like again. I don't think that's crept in there accidentally. I think that that no. little that little <laughs> phrase he is just quite fond of, and again, it's another another nod to that.
0: I think it's that thing. It's probably the sort of thing he was playing around the house because i don't know about you as well and maybe it's just because of the Ramon reprise but even mm. the record version of this it's even though it's not a ukulele i think it's a guitar you can hear playing and it yeah. almost sounds like um like they've miked the electric strings rather than like actually amped it but it sort of sounds ukulele jam thing you know so it's sort of yeah it matches with that with great day i suppose they're just sort of songs you used to play around the house really um <laughs> uh, it's quite it's, it's very hippie as well isn't it i mean the whole sort of um all in one bed. And, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. just... Paul's definitely embracing his hippie stage at this point, I think.
2: Yeah,
1: definitely.
0: Questionable mullet, though. Quite possibly the worst mullet of the of the many mullets he's had in his career. I think the Red Rose Speedway <laughs> mullet is probably the worst.
1: It is. It's the most immense... Yeah. <laughs> the most immense mullet. So, and what do you think... I know we've mentioned, we touched upon last time, the sort of he's a bit of a master of, you know, nonsense, silly lyrics. Sometimes... Hmm to his detriment, I think. Yeah, yeah. In this song, I think it it works really well. Like you say, that hippie vibe, that jamming vibe, which kind of almost feels like he made them up on the spot. Yeah. And yeah. I, I like that sort of improvised feel to them.
0: Yeah, and I think it's like he wants to make a focus of the main line, you know, sleeping in a big barn bed. So I think the rest of it can be... It's, in mm. fact, it's a bit like Give Peace a Chance. It's got that same sort of like, you know, all the nonsensical stuff. And then all we're saying is give a piece of chance. It's like going into the sort of chorus of the thing. So I think it's a it's comparable to that in a way. Yeah. Um, but no, I like that. I think and and I think if you don't like that, you're not, you're probably not going to be listening to this podcast. You're probably not <laughs> going to listen to much else of Wings, uh, you know, discography because <laughs> it is very much what he likes to do. Definitely. I really like it. Um, I also like the way um, towards the end it gets a bit louder. Have you noticed that? There's like you know as as they're sort of building mm. to the end, the song starts to get gradually louder. One thing I didn't notice until very recently is there's quite some quite comical toms on it as well. Some, boom, boom. it's a bit <laughs> yeah. of a sort of um, EastEnders going on there. I think not. People don't realise he actually invented EastEnders. There yeah, go. A good a good ten years before at least. Yeah, it's fun. I'd be interested to. I think with the. Um, when they re-released the archive collection version of this and they did like the big box set, there was like, I think it was 71 or 72 to 73 or 72, 74. They put on it, I believe the double album, the track list, you can listen to it there. So I'd be kind of interested. I mean, I've heard most, I think of all the, the songs, but I wonder whether it would have been better received if it was that or whether it might have been seen to be a bit, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it would have merited having more songs on it or, you know?
1: I don't know, actually. I was about to say, given the sort of middling reviews it's had um, over the years, maybe not. But then Mm. maybe if he had this sort of concept album or he had this idea of it, if it had been realised in the way that he had intended, maybe it would have felt like a more coherent piece um, to to the fans, I don't know.
0: Yeah, maybe. And I believe it was record company pressure, wasn't it, was the reason why it didn't. But it's surprising that someone of his... Status would have like record company pressure at that point. Someone saying, "Well, no, you can't do that because it's like you know he's a he's a Beatle for God's sake. You know he sort of invented the recording industry, pretty much. (laughs) God's sake." But but yeah, no, it's a good one. It's a good alliterative song to start on. I think
1: fantastic. So shall we shall we put that one to bed? I think we should.
0: But put it to bed. Yeah, yeah. I like that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So all right, that brings us on to our next track, which is beautiful night someone's gone out fishing
2: someone's high and dry someone's on a mission to the lonely lorelei some folks got a vision of a castle in the sky and i'm left stranded wondering why Nothing feels so good Even if I get a medal from a local neighbourhood I won't need a castle they got castles in Versailles And I'm still stranded, wondering why
0: I mean, that's a song that, um, again, well, not quite to the degree of Big Barn Bread, but how Big Barn Bread, uh, which is a different, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, a Macca-sponsored uh, product that you can buy in your local baker. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, um, in that this song had been around since the sort of mid-80s. Um, I don't know if you've heard the, because um, he did it with uh, Phil Ramone, uh, the producer who did a lot of stuff with... Um, Billy Joel, for example, and yes. that sort of thing, yeah. and and I and it's been released since the original version, and it's also on one of uh, Macca's Ubu Jubu, his radio show thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but yeah, it was a song that he obviously felt that he hadn't done justice, and I would sort of agree, having heard mm. that other version. Um, and it's kind of like, I guess, the big feature number in Flaming Pie. It's, it's, I know it's not the closing song, but mm. it's kind of the, the. I mean, and there are quite a few really good songs on Flaming Pie but it's definitely sort of a big sort of feature moment. Um, And it's it's funny as well, because I I knew, and I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, In the Air Tonight documentary, which is the sort of um, promo film that came out around the time of Flaming Pie, uh, which is good. It's worth watching. It's a Jeff Dunbar film, Um, but there's footage of them doing the orchestral part of this song with George Martin and stuff. Mm. Um, And I hadn't realised, because yeah, it's George Martin doing the string arrangement, um, but even though I knew Jeff Lynn was one of the producers on Flaming Pie, I hadn't really noticed that this was a Jeff Lynn production. Because I think Jeff Lynn, like him or, or dislike him, and I do really like him, he's got a very distinctive sound. Um, yeah. You know, things like when he produced Free as a Bird. I mean, it, it's that Travelling Wilburys sort of sound, it's got that mm-hmm. sort of thing going on. But not so much with this. But I mean, I, I mean, just the people involved in this one. You've got Ringo, you've got Jeff Lynn, you've got Linda, obviously, you've got George Martin. Um And it's off the back of uh, the anthology. And I know the big sort of line they say, um, or he said a lot around the anthology when promoting the Flaming Pie album, was that sort of revisiting the Beatles stuff and discussing it in such detail reminded him of how good the Beatles were, I suppose, but also their sort of production values, how they used to write. And I think that is very clear in things like this song. And if you compare it to the 80s version... How you know that sort of, I guess, like post grad course in the Beatles <laughs> reminded him of what he was doing and really sort of brought it together and made it really work. Um, how do you feel about this song? Out of interest, what's your thoughts?
1: Um, I think it's gorgeous. I probably do you know it's one of these that of the flaming ply out, oh, <laughs> I'm doing it now, flaming ply,
0: <laughs> your big barn bread in your fa- flaming ply. <laughs> we've, had, we've had heavy dental work before we started this recording, yeah. so it's. So. <laughs>
1: I mean, I really like that album, and I wouldn't have necessarily first the f- the first ones that grabbed me. I wouldn't have necessarily put that in my top five at the time. Mm. However, having come back to it, and I suppose the context surrounding it—Linda's last sort of yeah. back in vocal, Linda's last music video appearance, yes, having yeah. Ringo and and George Martin back on the team—and you know, it just gave. An added emotional context, and then yeah. I now listen to the song with that context, and I don't know it. It sort of yeah, it it brings chills to the back of my neck. It kind of it, it makes me emotional.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, me too. And I, if you haven't seen the video, it's definitely worth watching it because it it is it is a very emotional thing, and I think the the melody in the chorus as well is is beautiful and is so sort yeah. of pull. But the combination of that, the video, like you say, the glimpse you see of Linda in the, in the phone box yeah. and stuff, it re- it, it's one of those things that, yeah, like you say, even if it didn't hit me at the time when I heard it, it's one of those things I can go back to. In it, and it has everything, all the reasons why I love this man and why he's such a big inspiration to me and why and the sort of sense of home about his voice. There's something very sort of honest and I don't know, it, it, it could only be him really yeah. is the thing. And like you say, yeah, the combination of all those things, all those people. Even the views of Liverpool, because you've got if you haven't seen the video, it's like he's in a camera obscura like watching over Liverpool and stuff. And it's it's really it's really nicely done. I believe it was banned and then edited slightly because of uh, I don't think it had a nipple in it, but there's a point where there's a woman <laughs> taking a top off and diving into the water at the end. And <laughs> for some reason that led to it being banned or not shown or something, which is a bit extreme. I mean really. But yeah. um but yeah, I don't know, for me, one of the things, it's interesting, because I've had a few rewrites, because it has been rewritten since the 80s one, but there is still a couple of lines that get through that, even though it is such a beautiful song, that really almost, <laughs> almost ruin it for me. And it's the thing, uh, you and me together, nothing feels so good, even if I get a medal from my local neighbourhood. Mm. just like oh, mm, that's a bit, I think he got stuck in a rhyme, it's like if you hear the original version he talks a lot about rowboats <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, there's some boat and there's another boat and then it's a harbour you know, he's just like, just get off the boats, Paul and then he got stuck in this other sort of, I don't know, it's it, it's it's fine, but it's one of those things that I think I've softened to it over time and I, I, I hear the whole song and I hear the arrangement and go, this is beautiful, but it's one of those things, I guess if I was playing it to a friend who didn't know it, I'd be mm. conscious of that going, oh, that's a bit, that's a bit crap
1: pool. yeah it's like the lyric about the, the castles yeah, um, yeah, castles in
0: yeah that, I don't need it? a castle they've got castles in Versailles isn't it? yeah I'm not so bad yeah, I, like well, so I, I
1: don't mind I don't mind the sort of the, the castle imagery but it, <laughs> you, you are aware of the the rhyme you know, yeah. or the <laughs> the half rhyme with Versailles and yeah, yeah. and why <laughs> yeah but even yeah, if I get but,
0: a medal from my local neighborhood as oh, na- a corker it is, and also it's like the specificness of local and the neighbourhood, which is just really. Bleh. I believe mm. it's yeah. It's I mean it's a small detail, but yeah, it's, I it's think a shame
1: for me though. I- I didn't realize until doing the research that this song has sort of been bouncing around since like 1986 or whatever. Mm. It feels like it was written, you know, with the, the context surrounding uh, Linda's illness. Mm. You can't help but read it like that, and the orchestration um, mm. by George Martin—it's just beautiful, you know. And what I really like about it is the up tempo. I don't know the coda yeah. section, so the end section yeah, where yeah, yeah the outro. Such it makes you kind of go like, yeah, Ringo was. <laughs> it was unique. <laughs> it Absolutely. But you know, it yeah, yeah. kind of felt at that point like it could have been, you know, a mm. Beatles number as well. It's not Definitely. that far away from the sort of ballady, mm. you know, strong points that, that, that they had as well. So, yeah,
0: you, you realise the really good and right decisions they made. Like the fact the original version, it had the middle eight, things could go wrong, things could go right, was like a bridge. Whereas right. he's taken it out, he's changed some of the chords, he's made it make more of a statement. it's just again it's one of those things you go oh yeah this is why the Beatles were good isn't it -hmm. everything about the way the sort of orchestral swells or the brass swells you've got the French horns then you've got the bass doing something then you've got you know there's space for each instrument in that outro which I think is great and also there's sort of R's the backing vocal R's on it as well are absolutely Beatles Mm -hmm. they're so um sort of Abbey Road um Oh, what's it called? Um, oh, Darling. It's got those sort of R's and O's going on in the background. It's one of those things that, yeah, it's a really good arrangement. And, and, yeah, and a really sort of emotive thing, I think, which a lot of the Flaming Pie stuff, like Calico Skies is another one, isn't it? That is mm-hmm. so, uh, so tightly linked to, I think, what was happening for them and with Linda. Um, you can't help but um, associate it with that, you know. Yeah and and it's not I suppose it's nice at least at that time when things were difficult they did have all those really close friends around them you know mm-hmm. ringo was there george martin was there cuz also I believe ringo's first wife died around that time as well um All oh, right which is when Paul wrote little willow for her that's but, yeah, right it's yeah. sort of yeah so i guess it's it's good to see the dream team back together again that's the thing <laughs> yeah i i can sort of hear when you like and also cuz you can hear the 80s version but like the sort of melody in the chorus, because it's quite sort of big and quite a big sing. It makes sense to me that it was 80s Paul, because I think as you get mm. closer to now, not always, but the sort of really sort of ambitious melodies that he would have, that he was so known for in the Beatles and um, in the solo stuff, I think they start to disappear a bit more as time goes on. Mm. They're more sort of jam-based stuff, whereas this is one of those, you know, um, yeah, big sort of melody ones. So, um, Yeah, Never played it live though, never played it live Another one of those that never played It's crazy really But yeah, so that is Beautiful Night Our second one on this list And now for something completely different uh, Which (laughs) separates the wheat from the chaff Biker Like an Icon
2: There was a girl who loved the biker, she used to follow him across America. But the biker didn't like her, she didn't care, she still persisted. Though her brother said she was twisted, and the family said they wouldn't miss her anyway. She loved.
1: So we did have an agreement before this that we would fight, fight yeah. the corner of the songs that we are that we are each uh, taking the lead on. So I'm going to take my cynical hat off, and I'm just yeah, <laughs> I'm going to fight the corner of Biker Like an Icon. Okay. So, <laughs> so off off the ground, mm. off off, off off the ground, off off off. What <laughs> is off off? Yeah.
0: Yeah, this was off off the ground. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Now, I don't know if I like what inspired the title or if it just kind of makes me roll my eyes. But let's go with I like (laughs) it at the minute. Okay, so I I, I like that there's an anecdote and it's an anecdote to do with Linda and her passion for photography and that they were chatting about, uh, I don't know, various cameras that Linda liked and Paul taking this play on words thing. So um, Mm. I've got a little quote here, which I've taken from the Paul McCartney Project uh, website. So he says, Linda and I were talking about cameras, and she said, "I like, <laughs> I like a Leica," which became <laughs> like a Nixon, and I started messing around with this. And he's like about, a like a
0: Nikon, isn't it? Because that, like that's, a nice yeah. yeah, like a Leica, and like a, a, a Nikon, and
1: Nikon, like a Nikon. <laughs> like a Nikon.
0: <laughs> yeah, they smoked a lot of weed in their time,
1: I think. So, well, yeah, but so I, I kind of <laughs> like that. I like that it's you know it came out as this, probably giggling around, laughing their head off, yeah. and then he turns it into. This play on words, Biker Like an Icon. I think, I mean, it does make me wonder. I know it's had quite a lot of negative press. I mean, Off the Ground in general as an album seems to have been slated quite a bit. Yeah. I like the album myself. Yeah, I do too. I think there's a lot of strong points on there. I wouldn't necessarily even call this a, a low, low point on the album. I mean, if you no. took away the silly title and some of those, you know, those, I don't know, daft, easy rhymes that we were just talking about with the last yeah, yeah. song. I don't think there's anything particularly, like, disastrous happening musically. I think it's, you know, no. it's a, it's a poor rocker. It's, you know, yeah. it's melodic. It... The chorus is quite interesting, I think. I like mm. what it's doing chord-wise. It's kind of got bluesy sort of chords in there, which I like. It's up-tempo. It, it fits the silly lyrics. <laughs> <You> know, I, <laughs> in, in fact, I probably went into this thinking, ugh, that song. And actually, mm. as I've been listening to it on repeat, I have <laughs> actually kind of come around to it and go, it, it's, not, it's not terrible at all. I think, you know, it, okay, it's nothing special, uh, you know, when we know what he's capable of, but mm. it's certainly not his worst by any means. No. I just think lyrically for me, it's a stinker. <laughs> that, that is where, where my negativity comes in. Do you, you think know? that's
0: mainly, and this a, a, a lead question here, but do you think that's mainly the, the title line? Because for me, I, I find as a story, I, I th- and I think as well, it's very hard to write a rocker. I mean, we, we're both mm. sort of musicians and stuff. And I think to to write something that sounds natural and flows is quite difficult. And I think I, I sort of compare this one a bit to um, Run Devil Run, the song,
2: mm. in that
0: it's a, you know... it. For me, I, other than the sort of, you know, maybe slightly irritating title. And I think that's the thing mm. that really stick people. I think the rest of it, most of it, I mean, maybe not, you know, uh, what was it? But uh, they didn't like her. It's a bit the biker didn't like her. I think that's a bit mm. sort of. But, you know, the, the stuff about um, the family and the girl and, and the meeting and the next thing. I think it for me, all that flows quite well. It doesn't, it feels quite natural. It's It's just, I think. Even just saying the name out loud makes you aware of the sort of, I don't know, I wonder if that's the key problem. That's the question yeah. I was asking you. Do you think it's, is it the whole thing for you or is it the, the title? Or do
1: you know? I think the title gets in the way of it. And I think mm. it was obvious that he'd picked this title that he'd <laughs> liked because of this wordplay and then he'd stuck with it and he'd really stuck with it, you know, and and mm. it's all wordplay around this sort of biker icon <laughs> you know, don't get me wrong, the music suits that style of song. It kind of feels mm. like a rocket, you know, rocking biker type track. Yeah. I just, you know, I mean, I've picked another line out that's a little bit of a clanker for me as well. She didn't care, she persisted, though her brother said she was twisted and her family said they wouldn't miss her anyway. Right, okay, yeah. I just, uh, I don't know, it's just twisted, persisted. It just feels a little bit. But yeah. then it suits the song. <laughs> because he's kind of done that throughout it, so.
0: Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I, I, it's, And, I mean, he obviously thought quite a lot of it, because it was a single, oh, and it and yeah. it was also, I think it was like the promo that led the album. It wasn't the first single, because that was um, Hope of Deliverance, which was a big hit. But, yeah, he obviously liked it a lot. And, and also, I mean, one thing that is quite good about it, and I remember, because I think for me, and the thing with Off the Ground, for me very specifically, it was the first time I went to see him, um, mm. was at that time. And also the first two CDs I owned. Well, Magical Mystery Tour and Off the Ground. Um, yeah. And I suppose it was probably the first album of his that I bought at the time that it came out. So yeah. that has a sort of significance for me. So even though I know it's a bit sort of, I think for him it's a bit like, it's like middle-aged or even though he's only about 50, 51 or something. But yeah, it's like yeah. Flowers in the Dirt was a really big hit and it was, you know, I mean, it's very off the time as well. But this album sort of falls in the a combination of the production being quite sort of middle-of-the-road, middle-aged mm. sort of... I don't know, a bit too clean and a bit too reverby combines with a song like this and sort of makes it a bit bland and also because he's very in his sort of um conversing he's sort of quite he's quite preachy around this time he's got all the sort of um uh looking for changes and mm. you know he, well, in fact, I remember when I went to see him the program was like sponsored by um peter the the animal rights charity, and there was a really big film I remember at the beginning um they showed and it was like you know the concert this was, you know, going through his career and then there was a big sort of feature about animal cruelty and it was like, I, just, I think to the tune of Helter Skelter. But um, yeah, there was anyway, I'm sort of going off on one here but the point is for me, I think I forgive a bit more the blandness personally because it came at a time when I was like, oh, I'm a big Beatles fan I'm a Paul McCartney fan and I'm yeah. buying this this new Paul McCartney album. You know, it's new. This is what's happening now which was so alien to me at that point because I've been into this thing that was part of history as far as a child in their, like mm. uh, early teens at that time so so yeah maybe i forgive a bit more of the off the ground yeah. the biker like an icon thing it does have good artwork though i don't know if you've seen the artwork for um it was the single and also i remember it in the concert there's like and it's in i think in the off the ground sleeve as well there's an image that looks like a sort of um catholic style like you know like a picture of mary you know mm. the mother mary But then it's only as you look at it with more detail you realise that she's in like a leather jacket and she's got uh, uh, And you can actually buy, I saw on eBay, you can buy yourself a genuine 1993 Biker Like an Icon t-shirt, which I think I probably should get for you, just to mark your love. You can walk through the streets of Wales with this on, proclaiming your love for your favourite Macca song, Biker Like an Icon. But yeah, I don't know. I associate with all that. Although I do remember I did have a t-shirt from this tour, the New World Tour, that I wore to school for a non-uniform day and, and had the piss taken out of me. So, <laughs> you know. so it, it's not all good memories. But yeah, I don't mind it. I'm not saying it's one I would ever really go to to listen, but I don't skip it. There are definitely mm. worse examples of Paul's work. I know that's not necessarily a reason to, to say, oh, it's, it's not the worst um um but yeah i don't know i don't mind it i it's it's convincing if a little bland
1: yeah i think because i don't mind really the majority of off the ground for me biker like an icon isn't that representative of the of the album as a whole no no for, for it to be the kind of you know what he was leading the promotion with, and yeah, mm. I don't, I just don't think it's that representative of it. No. It feels more like a throwaway,
0: it sort of lasts the length of itself and then goes, doesn't it? It's like a sort of in between song, mm. you know. Yeah, what what do you think of like the band then? Do you like the, the band around that time? You know, it's the band that plays on Flowers in the Dirt and Off the Ground. Um, I do yeah. yeah i do as well because they get they get quite a lot of stick as well i think it's i, I think it's partly because i don't know it's one of the it was sort of the first time he started using like sort of almost session musicians i suppose like musicians who are like professional musicians not because people like denny lane and obviously the beatles and stuff they're all you know they were fantastic musicians but they were self-taught um as is paul obviously but i think paul's one of those people that his ability as a musician is, I mean, it's, you know, he's a seriously talented musician. And also, this is, again, I've, I remember with that tour, we mentioned it in the last uh, podcast as well, I said about he played bass on another day live then. But mm. he, would, he wouldn't just use the Hoffner. It was the first time he got the Hoffner out again, or Flowers in the Dirt was. But he's really like playing and like really good stuff. And, re- and like the guy Hamish, Hamish Stewart, who I think was in the, the Average White Band, who's the guy that sort of, I guess, the Denny Lane of that lineup is a really good singer as well. So I think their voices really go together. Yeah. Not something you hear on this one, because it's mostly just Paul. But mm. yeah, I, I like them. And and, and also the, the guitarist, um, Robbie McIntosh, I think his name is, who's on all the um, Unplugged stuff as well. Really good slide guitarist. And again, you've got yeah. in this one, which is a bit more generic. But like, for example, on the Unplugged thing, when they do um, That Would Be Something, for example, yeah. is a really yeah. good... Um, so they're a good band. and I, But I just think, I suppose... It's, a, it's obviously was a funny age for him, because like mid-50s, early to mid-50s, hasn't quite yet got that sort of second hurrah where you, I mean, it's kind of got yeah. cool, cooler again. I suppose you go in and out of being cool, um, or mm. not I don't, whether, whether Macra ever has been cool, I don't know. <laughs> well, when he was a Beatle, I suppose. But yeah, I don't know. It's like an editing thing, isn't it? It's like, he's always had a, a tendency for going with the wrong song for a single or,
2: mm. you know,
0: putting too much faith in maybe the wrong song. So yeah, it's a bit... It's a bit middle-aged, I think, if that makes any sense.
1: So talking about putting faith in potentially the wrong songs, that might bring us <laughs> nicely to the next yeah. possible clangor. <laughs> but, you know, you've got to give it a good go as well, David. Have, have so... I, though?
0: Have I really? <laughs> I'll try.
1: Okay, so up next, bogey music.
0: hard sell for a song where the first word is bogey in the time <laughs> this is the, yeah when, for me i mean this I, we've talked about this before i know but listening to this again to sort of prepare for this recording i find myself liking it more than i used to because to be honest when i first heard this i thought it was appalling <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was really bad and again it was that thing of I think it was like, pretty much the third CD I ever owned was McCartney 2, and it was one of those things that I didn't really know, the album, I knew coming up, because um, I had like the great hits, all the best whatever, ever, and I heard that, I was like, oh great, and then that ended, and Temporary Secretary started, <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is quite <laughs> bad, and th- I mean, there's been a lot of revisionism about this album in particular, and I know um, it's one of those ones that separates people, some people really like mm-hmm. it, they like the sort of, zany macker just doing what he wants to do just you know discovering like synthesizers in, in more yeah. of a way um and like the sort of talking head sort of new wave thing and to a degree yeah and there are a couple of songs from those sessions that are really good but i don't know this for me it sounds like he's got the echo effect stuck <laughs> at the <laughs> vocal and he's just going to still keep going because he's professional he's just keep recording the song And I think more for me to do with where it comes in the album because you've got it immediately after Frozen Jap, which again (laughs) we mentioned before, which is again something that does not need to exist. I think that song just (laughs) didn't need to be. You know, if you, it's like if you think Biker Like an Icon is bad, Frozen (laughs) Jap is just like it's a keyboard demo. With a mm. with a racist title, it's yes. just not it's not good. So yeah, so that's that was sort of my opinion of that, and I think it was because at that point I was into more serious Mac. I was into the Beatles, and mm. I was into that sort. Of, and this, I didn't really get it, um, and I've sort of mellowed to it over time. And this song, because uh, to actually go do a bit more about the song itself, um, it was written uh, or inspired uh, by the Raymond Briggs uh, comic novel *Fungus the Bogeyman*. And Raymond Briggs, obviously, is the, the guy who's responsible for um, The Snowman, uh, the Father Christmas cartoon film with Mel Smith, Smith and Smith & Jones, uh, and Fungus the Bogeyman. And that's a, a book, although I didn't ever have it as a kid, it was something I was familiar with. Um, and, and to be fair, I, I thought when I first heard this, I thought for some reason he's written a song about Fungus the Bogeyman, because it does say in the liner notes, it's about that, but not for like a film or anything, just because he, you know, he's inspired it's to write he a song <laughs> yeah, and that's that was the thing where I go, really? I mean, this is the guy who wrote Eleanor Rigby, Fungus the Bogey? Oh, what? <laughs> and it was it was like, I guess, I, I saw McCartney too like a fever dream. You know, he had like a, a couple of weeks of not being well <laughs> and made this album with, the, with these very questionable songs on it. And this is one of them. Um, but as I say, I, I think for me, if you removed the echoey vocal effect, and even that I don't mind so much now as I hear it again, it's a perfectly fine like rock rock and roll was sort of silly, fun song. It's played well. Um, you know, the bass is nice, it's it's perfectly fine. And also the point I missed to say was I gather it was actually written for a Fungus the Bogeyman project that didn't come at that point. Yeah. So it wasn't like, yeah, he was suddenly inspired to write songs about Fungus the Bogeyman. But at the same time, if you if the film doesn't come out do you release the song? Because otherwise you, yeah. you just get it on the album and you go, there's just a song about Fungus the Bogeyman. I don't know how, what, what has gone on with Paul. Combined with the fact, and I've got the record sleeve here just to remind you, Clary, but he even looks shocked on the front of McCartney too. It's like, I've done something really bad. <laughs> he's just, just as, I always <laughs> picture like the van is driving away with all the, all the copies to go to the shops. And he's just realised, fucking hell, I've done a song about Fungus the Bogeyman. What am I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> what is going to be the end, and also this was the last album that John heard in terms of Paul because obviously he passed away yeah. in nineteen eighty. So, but yeah, so I, I don't know if I've really given it a positive slant. Like maybe I should have done. Um, it, you know, like I say, it, it's perfectly fine. It's fun. It's you know on its own. I think when you put it in the context of the album, for me, by this stage in its side two, I'm like, I've really, I'm not going to get a lot out of this album. <laughs> you know, for me, yeah. I think the best songs on that album are the ones the least like it. Um, for example, One of These Days is a lovely song. Um, mm. Summer day song's nice as well. I don't know. Yeah, and I've I've come round to Temporary Secretary. I'm pretty sure, actually. I know I used to play it to people as like an example of what was bad. I may even have played it to you at college. I can't remember. Yeah. I
2: yeah. then said,
0: Temporary Secretary, what is this? But <laughs> e- even that I don't mind now. So I, I don't know whether it is that I'm more open-minded now or just that my taste filter has gone and I just, yeah. you know, I, I now just like crap things. But what, what, having... Given you that big monologue about the song will <laughs> give you a chance. How do you feel about it?
1: Well, for me, I think sort of working on the same logic as you after Frozen Jap and, and, <laughs> and that, for me, it was just like, yeah, like yeah. you said, this perfect example you gave there, Casio keyboard demo. Not yeah. even as good as a Casio probably. Just <laughs> No. <laughs> but for me, that was then when bogey music kicks in. <laughs> I kind of go, oh, thank God. <laughs> it's something I can kind of sing along to. It's a bit daft. It's a bit silly. And yeah, okay, maybe the echo is a little bit much. But I it gets me into the groove of the song which is just yeah like a nonsense song about Funkus the bogeyman which is often the nickname for my son oliver oh okay <laughs> so there's, there's, there's different there's yeah. a little context there so i i played him uh, this song for the first time a few weeks ago and then gave him a big lecture about why paul mccartney was amazing and he needed to know <laughs> that name <laughs> you know mm. trying to infiltrate him young he's three yeah. and a half that's
0: what we gotta do it's, it's all- about
1: yeah. well yeah <laughs> <laughs> but my wife was there just kind of saying this is a pile of shit <laughs> <laughs> and
0: I wouldn't disagree I, I,
1: you, know. <laughs> you know and I tried to stick up for the song for the album the experimentation I quite liked meanwhile
0: them. Paul's going bogey on bogey on down <laughs> you know like yeah, it's a really really good on, bogey on bogey no. down Sorry.
1: Do you know what I like about it? It reminds me of Scooby-Doo when they go in the monster bar and they're all there and there's um Dracula is singing of all the ghouls I've loved before. And then you've got all <laughs> these different <laughs> kind yeah. of Scooby-Doo characters getting up and doing a number. And okay. this just feels like it would be right at home in something like that. Yeah, yeah. Which then I kind of go. Well, he's done the job. Then, if there was a fungus the bogeyman film, if it did mm. get made, I think this would have worked very well for the soundtrack of that. Just, just out of interest, um, what do you think of? Is it bo- uh, bogey, bogey wobble? wobble?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh Well, I mean, <laughs> it's one of those things. I mean, it's it's not as offensive as Frozen Jap, but it's in a similar <laughs> sort of. I don't really know why it exists. I mean, it's one of those things where, oh, you know, when you release an archive collection, you put all the unreleased stuff. I mean, is that one, re-? it's not, it's not really not necessary. No. Not really necessary. It's just like, again, it's like he's making up the numbers. He just has to fill a bit of space. Mm. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's fine. It's, it's um, and to be fair, I think he's sort of damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. Because I know I've personally said this as well as like an easy joke, but it's also not fair of it. But like the frog song gets a lot of stick and I'm sure we'll cover it when we get to it but it was yeah. written specifically for a children's film and it's a very perfect, um, perfectly constructed thing for the story that it's presenting and, and actually a beautiful song. Mm. If you if you remove the frog backing vocals, it's a really lovely yeah. melody. So with this as well, yeah, it's like, yeah, put it in the right context, perfectly fine. But I just, for me, I think to put it on what is supposedly, I mean, it's not that serious an album, but, a se- you know, like his actual second ever actual solo album.
2: Mm. And
0: yeah, I just don't really know. I don't, yeah, it's fine. It's sort of harmless, but I just think it's not really necessary. I don't know. It's a bit crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then some people are very praiseworthy of, um, or praising of McCartney too. I mean, how do you feel of it as an album as a whole, do you think?
1: I agree with you with some of the lower points. Uh, <laughs> I felt the same about Temporary Secretary. Yeah. <laughs> and it also has grown on me over time. <laughs> but yeah, a little bit like you, I, I probably I sort of respect what it was trying to do in 1980. I mean, mm. that, that that was you know it was different but yeah would you really you know it's like i buy a new synthesizer and i experiment with it and i might record <laughs> these doodles but if they are just doodles you know would, would you ever mm. sort of put it on an album to show off your best work i maybe they could have been chopped down by two songs i mean especially when you think something like check my machine which i'm mm. sure will come on to in the seas when that didn't make the sort of original lineup
0: mm. which is brilliant i think that was mm. brilliant i think it's, that is very forward-reaching and yeah a really good one so yeah but it sort of links as well with have you heard the story before about like in the 60s paul used to say to john um he liked the idea of releasing an album called paul mccartney goes too far yeah and john John was like yeah do that brilliant that'd be brilliant you know and he he never did it and but then maybe he did yeah (laughs) because you know yeah no paul you really went too far (laughs) as he realized an expression on the front cover of oh god yes but yeah, like you say, I, maybe we're comparing ourselves differently to these people. If we were releasing an album, we wouldn't put this on it. No. What, what has he got to prove, really, by this stage? Well, exactly. yeah. You
1: know,
0: other than, like, I don't know, when you said about, you know, you'd heard Frozen Japan, and it was terrible, and then you heard this, and you're like, thank God. That just sounds like Stockholm Syndrome to me. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> you've been tortured so much that, oh, thank God, this is a structured song. Yeah, it's about a bogeyman.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: good point.
0: And also, there's a temporary secretary biker like an icon thing going on there as well. They're all internal rhymes. He loves it. but
1: He loves it. <laughs> he does. Internal he rhymes. does.
0: Again, too much pot. Too much pot across the ears. <laughs> <laughs> now, for something completely different. You've got bogey music, and next one, well, it's, I think it's something quite special Baby's Request. <laughs>
2: When the moon lays his head on a pillow And the stars settle down for a rest Just do me one small favor I beg you, please play me my baby's request It's the song that we heard when we started Now the birds have all flown from our nest But you could bring back memories Departed by playing my baby's request My baby said That she knows how it goes But you're the one that really knows so good.
1: Is definitely well not just a highlight from Back to the Egg, even though it is. I love that album. I love this song, but I think it would be top one of the top of my solo um, and Wings Maca playlists. Just think, it's beautiful. It's pretty, but it, it's really interesting. I I'd recently heard the version that you pointed me to on um, it was recorded in uh, two thousand and twelve. Kisses on the yeah. bottom.
2: My baby said, Did she know how it goes? But you're the one who really knows so go ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which is also very nice, but this is the ultimate version for me. What I didn't realise until doing the research for this was that he he didn't even write it as a Wings song. It was written Mm. for the Mills Brothers, who were an American uh, sort of jazz vocal quartet who rose to fame in the thirties. And he didn't even realise that like any of them were, you know, still alive. And then (laughs) bumped into them somewhere, you know, and got chatting to them. And they were like, "Why aren't you writing us a song, then, Paul?" I'm assuming they're American. (laughs) 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 Not that that was American. Three years at drama school for that. (laughs) We'll get another actor to dub that (laughs) bit. But yeah, you know, and he, okay, then, and this is what he came up with, which sounds like a perfect track for a sort of 1930s jazz quartet, you know, it kind of fits that style while still really fitting on Back to the Egg, which I just think, yeah, it's just lovely. And apparently it was George Harrison's favourite song on Back to the Egg.
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah. And,. Yeah, they didn't end up recording it, uh, the Mills brothers. I think there was like some, I don't know, disagreement with their management. So he obviously kind of went, Oh, I don't want this to go to waste then. So yeah. chucking it on.
0: It's this all bogey music? Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's pretty much the same year,
0: isn't it? I'll go with this one.
1: Yeah. I just love, oh, there's so much going on in it, but I love all the sort of jazz guitar, little tingles throughout. And yeah, because I um, was the uh, guitarist. Lawrence, uh, uh, La- yeah, was um, he had a background, didn't he? Is in the mm. jazz orchestra and the like youth orchestra when he was younger, um, the jazz orchestra of England, and yeah, just that he got to go to work on that. I mean, you can hear that mm. throughout the album, but you know, particularly on on this song, just yeah, yeah. what he's doing is one of those ones that gives me tingles again down the back of the neck, you know. Absolutely,
0: yeah.
1: Lyrically, it's really simple, but it's like simple. He's not he's not Macca going too far. He's just doing what he does best. He's being sentimental, but not overly so. He's the master at crafting perfect love song. And yeah, I just I just love it.
0: But yeah, funnily, people who, who even, like us, praise Back to the Egg, there are a lot of people who don't like this one and feel that it doesn't fit with the album. And for me, I think it's just perfect. In the same way we said, like, with uh, Big Barn Bed, you know, choosing a good opener. I mean, this song, I mean, it it sounds like... You know, you've been watching a sort of um, swing band for the evening with a crew, yeah. and or you know, and this is the one when there's only a few people left, sort of slow dancing, or whatever. It's the end uh-huh. of the evening. It just, uh, which is perfect for the end of a, an album, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know, it's an album that has lots of different styles, like a lot of his stuff does. I mean, I, he gets a lot of stick for, I don't know, for writing sort of pastiche songs, but I think this is more than that because, like you said, I mean, it's kind of mad that he wrote this presumably again pretty much overnight to sort of fit a type because yeah. it it ticks all the boxes of the style of music all the grace notes and everything that are there lyrically it's really good um it just sounds like a you know a song that's been around forever and yeah. in in the same way you know things like honey pie or your mother should know yeah
1: or, so, i was thinking that yeah.
0: or you gave yeah. me the, you gave me the answer the wings one again i i think i mean i really like all of those maybe your mother should know is a little less good i don't know maybe but yeah I, I don't know it, it's not so much I, I know he's one of those people he just does it because he can i don't think mm. he's trying it's not sort of cloying i think this song like you say it's a, it's a beautiful love song it, nothing's out of place nothing's out of place lyrically melodically in, in terms of the chords and the lovely guitar stuff it's just i think that maybe one thing that might improve it is if they'd had proper sort of brass players doing the mm. solo because it's like a move thing yeah. think yeah, yeah. um and yeah, I was quite excited when I read that he recorded it again for Kisses in the Bottom, or for that it was a, a track that didn't make it. And yeah, if you listen to that, I like it. Um, it makes perfect sense that he, that he chose to do it. You know, he's sort of singing it in the style that he sings the rest of that album, which is quite yeah. sort of falsetto y, and obviously he's older and, and it works. But like you say, I th- the original is, um, is just great. It's just, and for me, it's a perfect closer. For an album, for for what I think and I know you do too, is a really really good good album. Again, another one he's never played live. That's you know?
1: well, just, just yes, yeah, ridiculous to me, <laughs> isn't it?
0: Yeah, crazy. Have you seen the the video for it's quite good as well. There's the mm. Back to the Egg special and the you yeah, know, it's like it looks like it's in like a, a desert or something, doesn't it? It's like a sort of um wartime thing going on and and also is it maybe is either Linda or Denny? Someone's playing the big double bass, which I think is. Macca's Elvis one, you know, the one that yeah, yeah. belonged to Bill Black. But it's great. You know, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a really cracking song. You know, cracking, back to the egg, cracking. <laughs> it's all it's all there, all the puns. I tell you, if you gave me a pad of paper and a katana, I could write a song to equal Biker like an icon, and it's terrible puns. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, I think it's really good. I think it's it's, like you say, one of my favourites of his, just full stop, you know, mm-hmm. such a lovely song.
1: Definitely, and it's one that I really love singing along to as well. You know, yeah, yeah. it just kind of Definitely. gives you that satisfaction.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it's just such a lovely song. Funnily enough, just before we started speaking for this today, and, and my wife has taken the dog out, and I was just doing a bit of revision, <laughs> mm-hmm. listening to this song. She walked with me. And she said, oh, "I really like this song." You know, and it's just it's yeah, I I I do too. So I don't know why some people have a problem with it. Because I, I'd say to them, you write a song like this. Yeah. Although it was released like the year before, uh, Bogey Music and Frozen Jap, so that that's that's why I question why those songs need to be on an album when you've got this mm. <laughs> in the bag. But there we go. I guess he just does a thing and then does another thing. He just keeps going, I suppose.
1: Yeah, and it's always then a pleasant surprise when, after doing a questionable <laughs> decision <laughs> like uh, Frozen Jap, that he can then <laughs> knock something like I mean Waterfalls is on that album, and mm. that's. Beautiful. I mean, it's not my favourite sort of maca ballad by any stretch, but it just goes to show even within the sort of confines of what he was trying to do on that album, he he can still knock out a a lovely ballad. Absolutely,
0: yeah. And that, again, another one he's never played live, Waterfalls, Mm -hmm. which is just, you know, yeah, I, I, I guess it's still at this point, he was just still... Like had so much material, he just had songs just coming out of him that was, mm. you know, extraordinary. Still at this point, I mean, he still does. Mm. But yeah, like you say, even amidst all the sort of questionable doodles, there are some really, <laughs> really beautiful things. But yeah, not bogey music, not bogey
1: music. Yeah, I think just to just to draw a line under the the whole sort of doodle experimentation um, discussion. And I guess we'll we'll get to that when we I don't know we haven't even discussed as far as the ends but maybe we'll do a <laughs> a sort of special on McCartney one two and three yeah. possibly as a those projects sort of bookends to each other but I think the difference with the doodles that he does on McCartney one is that they are actually interesting, you
0: know? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: There's something to be said for how his brain works and how it's kind of put together Mm. just a a chord progression or a melody Mm. or drum pattern. He was doing a lot of, well, he did all this um, drumming, didn't he, on McCartney, Mm. McCartney One? Yeah. And I found those doodles or instrumentals or shorter tracks a lot more interesting, I think, than the ones on McCartney 2. partly because
0: it's more organic, isn't it? It's, it's mm. real instruments. It's, you yeah. Know, he's, he's like, he's, I think he's just finding and enjoying for the first time, like creating the sound of a one-man band on his own. And I, re- yeah. I read a quote actually quite recently. I think it was Pete Townsend was talking to him around that time and Paul was sort of talking about oh, what I would do if I did a solo album. This is before McCartney won. And yeah. Pete Townsend said, oh, I've just started doing this stuff on my own. You know, And he's like, oh, really? Yeah, he said, I've just got to take Player at Home. Mm. And, I, and that sort of apparently inspired Macca to do this. And like you say, yeah, even though they're doodles, maybe it's the curse of the beginning of the 80s. I don't know. You know mm. Synthesizers were afoot and it was a slightly different thing. But yeah, yeah we, should, we should have a look at those, really, and compare them.
1: But that is several episodes to come. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah.
0: so stick around.
1: just to finish off this one then i think we'll draw nicely to a close um discussing back on my feet
0: One of the many things I love about Paul McCartney um, is there is so much to be found across his career that is interesting. And for me today, just before we talked about this song, and it's a song I sort of rediscovered recently, um, I just got out the guitar just to sort of work out what was going on, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was just enjoying singing it. You know, just like, like, yeah, this is great. And it's, so Back on My Feet is the first uh, of the McCartney-McManus, the McCartney-Elvis Costello co-writes that was released Uh, it was the b-side to once upon a long ago uh, which was the single that went out with um, all the best which was his first sort of solo greatest hits album which included stuff as well um yeah and so this was the first example we heard of him writing with elvis costello and according to elvis costello um really when they started writing they worked on this song and veronica which is one that um, elvis costello released and pretty much they both had the songs complete and they mm. just sort of help each, up, help each other out a little bit. And I read an interview with Elvis Costello where he was saying, you know, so he basically had all of Back On My Feet, McCartney did. And he said, so I just, you know, gave a little suggestion uh, here and there. And then he says, however ridiculous that may sound. Because the <laughs> idea that you <laughs> yeah. were saying, you know you know what, uh, Paul McCartney, I think you could <laughs> probably get rid of that bit. And ju- I mean, how do you, I don't know how, well, I mean, the the intimidation of being sat opposite mm. Paul McCartney, both of you with acoustics and you're thinking, all right, who was the other person who sat here opposite Bulma Oh, it was John Lennon. Okay, fine. I'm in this position. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the production of this, the, the record that was released was produced by Hugh Padgham, who um, also did a lot of the sort of bigger Phil Collins things in the air tonight and that sort of thing. Um, and he also produced Once Upon a Long Ago, which is the A-side. And I think personally for me, if it hadn't been so Hugh pajama sized if it wasn't cuz all the gated drums and all, mm. I don't mind it I do like it but I think if you just and like I say just learning it today I go this is a really good song you know it's and and there's something about it for me that beginning and it's all sort of built over I think it's like a, a suspended 2 chord Asus2 <laughs> um and that first melody there's something about it and all the phrasing it is instantly Paul McCartney is it's very sort of Penny Lane, it's got that sort mm. of you know story song. Um, and there's also a demo that was released a little more recently when they did the Flowers in the Dirt um archive collection, which is just him um on the piano, which I think you, I mean, you said that you'd heard. I mean, it's there's something about it, it's again sort of effortless. Paul just writing a good sort of song, it's just so I think I think this could have been an A side if it had been re recorded in a different way. I think this could have been uh the single, really. Um, and okay, it's not the best thing that Paul McCartney and Elvis Costello did together. Um, but I, ju- I mean, uh, this is something we said we might even do a whole episode on. But mm. I think as a songwriting collaboration, Paul McCartney and Elvis Costello were just made for each other. And and they've only relatively recently released all of those um, lovely acoustic demos, mm. which were like on the sort of bootleg circuit for so long. And for me, I mean, if, the, if Flowers in the Dirt had been that, it yeah. would have been i don't know a thousand times better it would be a really really big deal i think because the song is, it's just yeah again compare it to like say frozen jap or something <laughs> the, the difference is they are like really well structured songs great lyrics great melody great harmonies they only need two voices and two guitars like mm-hmm. the sort of lennon mccartney thing to make them work and although this song uh, the record doesn't have elvis costello on it it's um it's very it's just paul i i um it's a really good song. And also, I found um, it reminds me a little bit weirdly, and I seem to be referencing the Beatles a lot here more than I thought I would. But um, Ticket to Ride.
2: I think I'm gonna be sad. I think it's today.
0: Yeah. With Ticket to Ride, you've got that first chord. But yeah. I think I'm going to be sad. Yeah. which goes on for much longer than you would think. Mm. And that's much like the the beginning of this song. You know how many days of the wet weather last where it is? really it really stays on that chord for longer than you expect and then there's like sort of dropped beats here and there it, it's sort of um, ambiguous as to what the keys of the song um it's it's I, I think it's really good and again i believe a lot of the lyrics were actually pulls. so mm-hmm. you would listen to it and there's some really good in fact i got it up here which i'll just um focus in on the breath of a man who takes a brown paper bag from his knapsack between his whispers and wisecracks he's looking for permission screaming at the sky um, and I, I love that. I love the fact that the whole song is like um, the stage directions in a film script. Mm. It's all like, you know, cut to this person. See so that it's a really, I know Paul's famed for doing his story songs and some people don't like that, but I think this is a really, can I use the word corker? That's a terrible, I mean, who uses that word?
1: I used the word clanger earlier, though, so True. I think, so you know... If you're using you, you clangors, you're going to... Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> clangers and corkers, that's the... <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think it's a really good song. I'd like... I'd, I, the record itself is a is very 80s, mm. but yeah, I really like it. I, what do you think?
1: Well, for some reason, I wasn't as familiar with this song. Yeah. You know, out of the Costello collaborations, I, I don't know, it sort of... Not Hmm. pass me by, because I did know it, I have heard it, but I I just, I've listened to like, you know, the acoustic demos, Uh, you Hmm. shared a lot of them with me when they were sort of first came about, Hmm. you know, things like Candy, which I love. Yeah, yeah, so like Candy, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, it's not because I, it's not sparked my interest, because I've listened to it quite a lot today, and, and you know, I'm humming it now, and yeah, I I like it a lot. I don't know why I, I didn't really pay much attention to it before. Mm. It's nice, it's upbeat. I, I, I agree with you. I'd actually written, i showing you the screen uh, there, which you can't see because it's shining back. I and we're you. doing a podcast, so, yeah, so <laughs> no one can see anyway.
0: When they make the film version of this, well, it's yes. very clear.
1: But um, yes, <laughs> no, I noted those exact lyrics, that, that particular um, verse. I think he's excelled himself here with the character writing, whereas, sorry to keep harping on about bike Like an Icon, but <laughs> that felt a bit more of a parody of itself. I'm going to write a character song, and yeah. it's really going to be caricature mm. whereas this one just kind of feels like, I think he re- I'd read somewhere him saying he was inspired by this idea of, you see a sort of down and out on the street, and you can either pity them, or you can just ignore them, and mm. that got him thinking well that's really interesting you know which side of the, the coin do you fall on and yeah i just like that it's up there lyrically with the sort of eleanor rigby sort of stuff for me and yeah i i don't mind the production but i know what you mean kind of about that period of time mm. and it's interesting now you've said about the phil collins um uh, you yeah. know in the air <laughs> yeah, tonight like, oh um, yes. <laughs> produ- <laughs> yeah, production because i mean that's that's all over sort of well particularly the flowers in the dirt stuff like that that kind of vibe that's the my one and again we make we might come to that album during the f's but um yeah that's my main criticism of that album even though i think there are some outstanding tracks on there it's kind of sort of yeah you're distracted by the production in places But yeah, as far as this song, I think what it is, is I've listened to it yesterday and today, sort of several times, and towards the end of the day I was like, oh it's a grower, it's definitely a grower for me, so maybe that's why it it kind of passed me by And when I initially heard it, maybe I didn't pay it much sort of thought, having listened to it once or twice, whereas sort of having listened to it ten times plus in the last 48 hours... (laughs) Again, Stockholm Syndrome. Now, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. And after several listens, I think it, it's connected a bit more, and yeah, I really like it.
0: I would uh, really recommend get the chords out and and play it mm. for yourself because that it's quite, actually quite hard to even to pick the melody and the rhythm because where it comes in, you'll see what I mean. It's quite hard to do, but yeah. he does it so. It, yeah, I think it's it is very penny lane for me. It really cleverly cuts to different places and mm. it's i it's just not a song i would consider writing and I, and I and i mean that in a good way in the sense of i don't really know how you do i think it's just him really in his sort of good zone and i completely can understand what, what you're saying about it passing you by because it's not the best one or what they did but then i think pretty much everything they did was really good i i i yeah. can't think of a, a song written by the two of them that isn't a really good song and, and then things like tommy's coming home that's a lovely one that um really mm. tells a story. Uh, but then also, I, I think it's not available on CD. I think it's one, one of the only um, songs, like the officially released ones. It's not on the, the Flowers in the Dirt, Doofy, yeah. the re, the re, more recently released one. Even the demo they, they put on the website, I think, as a, a free download you could have. But that isn't on yeah. the album either. Um, and it's a shame. And I guess that's partly why it gets lost. It's, it's probably one of my favourite of his B-sides. I think it's a really good yeah. B-side, you know. Back back to that tradition of, again, like the Beatles, where the B-side was a great little song of its own, you know, that Mm. was almost worth buying the single for, I think. Just for
1: the B-side, yeah, definitely.
0: And again, put it in context, he was 45 when Mm. he uh, released this. (laughs) God's sake.
1: (laughs) Well, now we've sort of come to the end of this episode of Bees, Mm. now we're obviously going to have to do several seasons of this because of course yeah. we need to do a b-sides episode yes. yep. <laughs> now that you've just mentioned a classic yep. b-side got to do that yeah band band on the run back to the egg
0: just the bass in general we the talked bass about in we?
1: general so you, yeah. you know lovely listeners you've got, you've got, <laughs> you've got a long another ride. yeah another four seasons of this yeah, oh, yeah. god help you <laughs> <laughs> perhaps we
0: could make it like a franchise we could do the first two seasons then we can yeah. pass it to someone else <laughs> But yeah. The,
1: the Beatles as well. Sorry. How have I, yeah, I, I've, small I even forgot, forgotten? Yeah. Can we fit that into just one episode, do you think? Do you think we just oh, do it all? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll do the Beatles in yeah. um, how many minutes?
0: <laughs> well, 60 would probably be good because it's the 60s. So yeah, yeah. yeah Beatles in 60
1: minutes. Beatles 60 minutes. Fantastic. Oh, well, good
0: luck with that one. <laughs> <laughs> what what uh, Have you got any sort of honourable mentions that didn't make into this episode? I mean, we'll probably put them in another one anyway, but any other bees that stand out for you?
1: Interestingly, um, it's in my head because you've mentioned it as one that you're maybe not as fond of. But beware, my love. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Would have been a good one to chat about because I, I quite like it. Again, yeah. I, I don't love it, but I'm I interested as to why you're not as fond of it. Um so.
0: should I save that for a future save, occasion? Yes,
1: let's save that, <laughs> okay. and possibly um, something like BIP BOP because okay. again, it, it's got a lot of. <laughs> a yeah. lot of uh, slack
2: yeah for <laughs> the years, a
1: lot of bad press but uh, we we may save that for a wildlife episode and what about you um well
0: there's one that i think we're going to feature we said we might do an episode on protest songs um but mm. i really like and again it's um i don't know if it's a funny one but uh, big boys bickering which is a, mm. the b-side to come on people i think uh, yeah. which is one of the <laughs> one of the i think the only song where maco drops the f bomb repeatedly <laughs> you know um, but i quite like that one uh ballroom dancing that's another that's another big like number that we've mm. sort of missed off there which is again another really sort of good story song although having said that weirdly i do think i prefer back on my feet to that one i think mm. the story is a bit more i don't know more interesting more engaging and i like the way it's told i, I think it's unusual the time structure of it is unusual yeah. so you you're sort of thrown straight into it before you've even got time to think about it whereas ballroom dancing is a bit more sort of. Um, I don't know. You can see what he's doing, but I'm sort of less bothered by it. I think that's another one that George Harrison liked, apparently. Um, yeah. Uh, but Back to the Egg, I think we just got to do a whole Back to the Egg episode, because that's Definitely. just that's a definite highlight of his career that I think gets lost, even by him. He, he sort mm. of puts that one down a bit as well. So. But I think we did all right there. We've got six songs out Definitely. of the way. We need to have an episode where we don't mention Frozen Jap. <laughs> I think we're giving right. it too much press. <laughs> People are like, oh, I better listen to that. And then, no, don't. Really don't. And also, if you look inside the cover, not only this is McCartney 2, so you have to do this at home. Not only is he shocked, he's also there's some there's a very questionable racist. Can you see? I'm yeah. You know, <laughs> what were you doing, Paul? It's no wonder he got it was in prison briefly that year. God. <laughs> But yeah, so that's The Bees. That, well, that's the first installment of Bees. <laughs> first
1: installment. Because, of course, they're all coming to my head now. We're going to have to do a Broad Street episode. Oh, or, or maybe we'll pass that one by. Oh, it, no, well, no, I don't
0: know. I don't know. It's, it's, but the thing <laughs> is, I'm just, the whole series is going to be Bees now. I don't think we're even going <laughs> to get to see. God's sake. Yeah, Broad Street. That's a big one. Well, I suppose you could do that as a G, give my regards to Broad Street. Mm, of course, so, yeah. you know, we're all right. We're all right for now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, before, before we end this thing that you're listening to, thank you for joining us. Uh, just to say, if you would like to contact us, tell us what you think. Uh, we're on various social media platforms. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, if you type in McCartney ABC, that's the handle for that. Uh, if you'd like to send us an email, uh, paulmccartneyabc at gmail.com. Um, and, and ideally, no death threats, as we said, because we don't really... <laughs> don't really want them it's just it ruins your day
1: unless you know you you go to the effort of getting the newspaper and the magazines and yes. cutting out the letters and sticking them on old school
0: <laughs> yeah we'd appreciate the the, the sort of legwork on that one yeah we, as well. and also then you've got the thing where you know like Sherlock Holmes you've got to work out which paper it's from to try and yeah. <laughs> work out who the person is so at least it'd be a bit exciting but yeah um, and hopefully join us next time for uh, An episode C. Wait and see what that one is. Wait and see C. what that one I is. Very good. <laughs> it's, it's not really good, is it? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. And in To Ronnie's style, it's goodbye from me. <laughs> <laughs> and goodbye from him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> see you again. Bye. Bye.
2: I saw you flash a smile That seemed to me to say You wanted so much more than casual conversation I swear I caught a look
0: McCartney McAlphabet is written and edited by David F. Graves and Clary Sadler and is inspired by and features selections from the music of Paul McCartney.